Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. Today is a very special episode. Um, I was honored to have very funny comedian, former rock star, Dean Del Rey on. Uh, the reason why I was having Dean on is Dean is going to be at the Underground Comedy Cafe um, in Toronto this weekend. We're going to have two shows. One is going to be on Friday. The other is going to be on Saturday. Uh, Dean's going to said he's actually going to do a different set each night. So you want to get tickets to both shows. So if you want to get tickets, just go ahead and go to highontrees.com. So www.highontrees.com. Pre-order your tickets now. Um, you can also uh, check out um, the venue, the Underground Comedy Cafe. Uh, check out Puff Mama's website, puffmama.ca. While you're at it, if you haven't yet, go to the samplehour.com my new website and check that out so i'm still currently uh moving old shows over so the old talk shoe feed um is still getting new podcasts but pretty soon once i get everything loaded up on the samplehour.com i'm going to have everything moved over and have everything switched over to itunes and stitcher and everything else like that um Follow us all on Twitter, guys. So um, we're working pretty hard at High on Trees to put on some good comedy shows. So if you don't mind just hitting us up or, you know, giving us a follow. So at High on Trees 416, at Joe Rangitan is one of my partners in this, and also at Hazardous. So that's H4Z4RDOUS. Um, follow my brother from another mother at no underscore Susquehanna on uh, Twitter as well. Um, you can also follow the venue at Underground Comedy, but there's no U in it, so just just Underground, but just take out the U Comedy. And then follow uh, Puff Mama as well, so at Puff Mama 420 um, So again, guys, um, get your tickets now. Dean is hilarious. I'm so happy that I had a chance to get him on the show today and, and just talk to him about his life. Super cool guy. Love his comedy. Excited. Uh, super excited for this weekend. Um, go and check out Dean's podcast. So Dean has a great podcast. So if, if you're not a Dell Razor like myself, um, go to uh, iTunes or however you listen to your podcast and, and search for Let There Be Talk. Um, Dean has some great guests uh, from rock stars to comedians. Um, great conversations. I mean, they're, they're just really, really cool to listen to. Really funny, uh, great stories. Um, Dean also has a website. If you go to deandelray.com, it has some videos of Dean. It has his podcast. Um, it has everything you need to know about Dean um, there. Uh, he also, if you have an Android device, download his app. Just search in Google Play, Dean Del Rey. You'll find his app. You can listen to his podcast, check out his videos, his photos, um, tour dates um you can get his contact information if you want to book dean delray for a show um has his bio and everything like that um also follow him follow dean delray on twitter he's at dean delray also check him out on instagram he's got a great instagram as well um if you like his comedy on facebook as well you can also keep track with him with all of his tour dates as well now with that being said guys I'm hoping to uh, hang out with you guys Friday and Saturday night, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening once again.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Sample Hour. I'm super excited to have this guest on today. Um, you might know him from his podcast, Let There Be Talk. He's been on uh, multiple Death Squad podcasts with our friend Brian Redband, um, the infamous Dean Del Rey. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, man. What's going on? <laughs> not too much, man. Not too much. Excited to have you on. Um yeah, we're going to be having Dean, uh, for anybody that uh, isn't aware, we're going to have Dean this Friday and Saturday at the Underground Comedy Club in Toronto. Um, go to, you can get your tickets. Uh, there's going to be a link in the show uh, for, in the show notes to where you guys can buy your tickets to the show. I highly recommend you guys go and see Dean. Dean is one of the, one of the funniest comics I've seen in a while. I'm super excited to to see you kill it. Have you seen? Have you seen me? I've seen you, Dean. I've seen you. <laughs> I've seen you I, I a couple of times. I've seen you at. Uh, we saw you in Columbus, and then we saw you in. Uh, oh, that's right. I remember now. Yeah. It, just, it, it, yeah let me tell you something. I've, in the last two weeks, I feel like I've done about thirty interviews, all with different people that know me, and I'm confused. Like, who, wait, which guy is this? You know. <laughs> Yeah, I had the I had the honor of uh, taking you to the airport at, at four thirty in the morning that one time. I remember now Indianapolis in Indianapolis. Yeah, that and was fucking great because uh, you know I just went that that airport. I was just recently there again with um, Russell, Russell Peters, Sim yeah, Russell Simmons, uh, Russell, <laughs> Russell Simmons, Peters, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember that airport. The cool thing about it is. When you get in there early, like we got there at 5 a.m., flight wasn't till like 9. They got these couches all over the uh, the um, waiting area where you can just stretch out and sleep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Because you know, I was pretty burnt. Oh, I remember that weekend. You guys were in uh, Michigan. You drove down to Michigan. That's when I met you was in Columbus. And the uh, the Giants were in that that tough series with the Cardinals, and they won to go to the World Series. And then those that those bastards won the World Series again. Uh, I'm yeah. Just, <laughs> what's it? Uh, man, that pitcher. Uh, uh, he's such a stud, man. That that country boy. He just is like he's such a beast. I can't believe his name is sli is slipping my brain right now. Um, oh, oh, you mean? Uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, Bumgarner. No, is it Bumgarner? Yeah, yeah, Bum yeah Madison yeah, Bumgarner. Bumgar God, yeah. that guy. That guy just doesn't matter who wins the Cy Young. If he's in the playoffs, that dude's unstoppable. I mean, that guy. Well, that was insane. He pitched one game, and then they brought him in to close another game or whatever. Yeah, well, he won. That? He won the World Series for him against the Royals. He came in, and they like they he yeah. pitched the rest of the game, and it was like, man, there was nothing the Royals could do. Um, I'm excited for this baseball season. We'll see, man, if the giants get in the playoffs, I mean, they are just so unstoppable. So I remember we watched that. And then the next night you had to go to Indianapolis. So you hit, hit yeah. that three city tour and then, and then, yeah, then we didn't even go to sleep. We're all hanging out after the show. And then I just gave you a ride to the airport. 
Um, yeah, because that show in uh, Indianapolis was a midnight show. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird late show in Indy, but it was fun, man. It was cool, cool hanging out. It was cool talking to you, which is, you know, a big reason why I wanted to have you on, man, is because like you've lived such an interesting life. Um, especially, I think most comics kind of have interesting lives, but you know, for anybody that doesn't know, you were you were a rocker for years beforehand. Um, how did you kind of get into that rock career and what all, and how long were you on the road for, for rock and roll? Well, uh, you know, like I, I tell a lot of people when I was young, say the fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, I, uh, I really wanted to do comedy. You know, I was obsessed with Saturday night live. I loved Richard Pryor. I loved Cheech and Chong, uh, Carlin, uh, my, one of my best friends, he, his older brother had these records and a stepdad and, you know, we listened to them just blown away at what they were saying, swearing and stuff. I grew up on Sanford and son. I love that show all in the family. I'm old as fuck, man. I'm 49. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, <clears throat> I wanted to do comedy, but as a kid, there's not really, uh, you don't know how to do comedy. Now it's different. There's comedy camps, there's YouTube, there's, uh, you know, all different outlets. But when I was young, there was just maybe one thing, like a talent show at school. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Sorry, man. And um... Anyways, as you were saying... There's comedy camp so now. Like, you, know, you know, you got all that comedy going on, but you can't really go do it anywhere as a kid. Not that I knew of, you know? Yeah. At the same time, you had incredible music going on. You had all that 70s rock. Um, you know, ACDC, Ted Nugent, all that dangerous shit where it was like, whoa, Zeppelin, of course, you know? Uh, Floyd, Neil Young. So there's people playing instruments in my neighborhood and at my school. So I was like, oh, well, I can just get together with these guys and maybe jam a little bit and stuff. And uh, that's that. And all of a sudden, 25 years went by of playing fucking music. You know, and then after 25 years, a lot of people go, well, why'd you quit? You know, and it was like a lot of it had to do with uh, all the illegal downloading and stuff. It was just kind of like uh, my my career of selling CDs out on the road, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money touring, but I would sell merch, you know, CDs, shirts, whatever, posters. And uh, I remember the last couple of years, I'd be like, hey, you want to buy a CD? And people would be like, oh, no, my friend burned it for me, man. I love it, bro. <laughs> they just had no idea. They were just telling you your face that, you know, I stole it. And, uh, you know, think, think what you want, you know, uh, like, a lot of people got down on Lars Ulrich and shit back in the day, but at the end of the day, it really affected the smaller middle, you know, it didn't affect big bands like say Metallica. And then it more affected bands like me who made a living on a small scale of touring all your life, you know, yeah. and making records. Who all, who all did you tour with back in the day over the 25 year course? Well, on the last tour that I did, that I really knew this is kind of the end, I toured uh, about 10 months opening for the Wallflowers. Oh, that's cool. And uh, and that was a great, great, great feeling and vibe. Jacob and I are really tight. 
So at the end of that, I was kind of thinking in my head, I'm going to go out after this, man. This is a great, a great high, you know? Absolutely. But before that, I'd been on the road with my band. Like one band I had, we toured three years straight. So over 600 gigs. So I took it on the same way I do comedy. Every night I played music. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, that was something too that I need. I mean, for comedy, I remember seeing you and, uh, it, it was that cool, uh, death squad draft show that you guys had in Columbus. And it was just, you know, I, I wasn't real familiar with your comedy at the time. And then I watched you and I, I heard you kind of just giving advice to people. I'm like, man, this guy really knows his comedy. Like he really, it was like small techniques that you had learned. And then later on, you told me, I think at the time, you'd already been on stage over 400 times. How, how, many, how many times did you end up getting on stage last year? Well, I've done over 2,500 shows in the last five years, two months. That's so So when crazy. you said at the time over 400, that was for the year. Yeah, yeah. So the first year I did 298. The second year I did 564. The third year I did like 532. And then fourth year it was like five, 518. And then last year was 460 or 480 or something, you know? Absolutely. So... I'm already at a hundred this year. And that's you're but, really you know, three months into the, the year. That's the only way <clears throat> you can do comedy, you know? Yeah. Is you, I mean, you can do it the other way, but that's more of enjoy yourself in a hobby format of like, yeah, I get on on the weekends and stuff. But if you really feel it's something you want to do. And, and that's how I felt the first time I went on, I went, oh, shit, this is what I should have been doing my entire life. Even though I loved playing rock, it really clicked that first time I went on stage. That uh, if you really feel like that, then, you know, take it on and get on every night, no matter what it takes. You know, open mics, whatever it is. Pizza parlor, bar, club, uh, arena, stadium, whatever you're doing, get on every night, you know? That's not even three spots. Yeah, I, I even remember uh, even when, when I saw you in Indy, you had already done like some sets at Crackers earlier that night. And it was just like, you're like, yeah, I already went on. It, I, I got to get on at least twice a night, I think you were saying to me. Like, you try to at least get on a couple times a night. Yeah, I slipped over to Ruben Paul's show at Crackers, and he let me do a guest spot. So, you know, the, the thing about <clears throat> comedy with me is as natural as it feels, and as uh, comfortable as I am on stage, it's still a weird mechanic the first spot of the night, you know, like 8 o'clock somewhere you're going on and people just got off work and maybe they're just, their mind is scrambled and so is yours to get to the gig, you know. So the first one sometimes is always a little funky and then the second one is great and then the third one's smasher, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, so getting on reps, I mean, that, I mean, that, that's really what, I mean, if you want to be a comic, you've, you've got to be on stage. There's no other way around developing a, a, a solid career. Um, I mean, so, you know, how, how is like, you know, and, and we, we've talked about it a little bit before, but like, how, how did, you know, being, being on stage as a rocker, like how much did that help you going into comedy? Well, 
I, I just did an interview a couple of days ago and I answered this question. Being on stage for 25 years, you can't fucking, you can't deny that. You know what I mean? A lot of people, I would say when they're starting, their main fear is getting on stage and then talking into a microphone. I did that for 25 years and the last tour I did with the Wallflowers was acoustic. Oh, so wow. it was like a storyteller's vibe. So after 10 months of that, I was like, I could figure out how to tell stories that were interesting and funny in between songs. And so, you know, right away, I had that. But the that's all I had. The rest of it is so fucking different from writing and playing music. You know, you're writing... Lyrics can mean nothing if you want them to be, you know? Absolutely. They could be psychedelic. They could be, you know, futuristic, mysterious, whatever. But with jokes, the writing has to be, one, kind of original, you know, and two, funny. Yeah. So that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball game. And then being, starting at 44 years old and just being this, 44-year-old around people that are 25. That's another dynamic. You're kind of like, wow, these guys are like, <laughs> you know, it's just different. Yeah. And but the thing I, the best thing I had was I had traveled all my life. So I had stories that weren't like, you ever be on Facebook looking at a girl and then you're on Tinder or whatever, you know? <laughs> I got I got different stuff which was really an advantage for me as far as uh, having some material at the beginning, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and your material is, is hilarious. I mean, I, I, uh, in between like hearing just, I mean, I, I don't want to say any of your jokes, but I, I just, I, as it's like, I just really identify with your material. I think it's so funny, man. And I think, uh, no, thank you, man. Yeah. I think that the, it's, it's really hard because, you might like it, but to me, I have a high watermark of Louis C.K., Mark Marin, Bill Burr, Chappelle, Neil Brennan, Ian Edwards, you know? Yeah. So my high watermark, it doesn't matter how funny you think I am. To me, I'm like, I got so far to go. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's healthy whenever you start any career, though. I think if, if you, especially uh, if it's you something that, creative. Man. Yeah. You need, you need idol. You need you need people that you worship. If you didn't, you would just go out and just do garbage at any job you did. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and you know, something else that I think is really good that, um, you know, you're an awesome podcaster too, man. I mean, your podcast is great. I mean, you, you have some great guests on, I mean, uh, um, the first one I heard was you and, um, the former drummer from Mars Volta, who's now with, uh, Queens of the stone age. That was a great podcast. John Theodore, yeah. Unbelievable human. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you a thing. Sure, it might look like I'm a great podcaster, but those 25 years of playing music, I, I, you know, I was lucky to meet friends in the business, and those people are interesting people to have on. So, of course, I am a fan of the people that are on. I love John Theodore. I love Juan already. I love Cedric Bixler from Mars Volta. You know what I mean? Yeah. To have him on my couch 
I'm finally getting to ask him every question I ever wanted to ask without being in a nightclub for five minutes. Because usually when you meet these people, you're doing a show and you meet them backstage, they're getting on their bus or, or they're sound checking and you're going on stage. So it's like, hey, man, how's the new record? And you get a few minutes in and you try to cram all your questions into one. But I've been lucky, man, to have these people as friends. And they come to the house and we talk for two, three hours, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's so good. It's so cool to listen to as well. And because it's, it, it kind of shows like the, uh, I guess kind of like you're just your overall ex- experience in entertainment. Like, I mean, like you've like, not only have you done this for years, but you've developed great relationships with people. Like how, like how important do you think like, you know, building relationships with people also have kind of helped you like in that transition from, to rock, from rock to comedy? Well, I think that if you're going to have friends around for 25 years, the key is just being genuine, you know? Yeah. I mean, these guys were mutual fans of each other, you know? Maybe he's not, they're not fans of my music, but they're fans of my passion and my love of, of music or comedy or films or whatever. And you can tell when you, um, when you hang out with someone the two people when you're talking to someone you're like this guy gets it you know absolutely this guy will be my friend probably for the rest of my life this guy i'll email at two in the morning and go hey did you see this movie did you hear this record how you doing what's up you know absolutely yeah I, yeah it's it's uh it's it's pretty cool it's just like it's it's a cool thing um when I was speaking of movies, like what what are what have been your favorite movies this, this year, Dean? I just saw the Scientology documentary, which oh, yeah. is unbelievable. What's uh what's you that know? one called? Do you do you remember the title? I haven't even actually it's heard called, of it. Uh, it comes out on HBO next week, but I went to the theater to see it. I think it's called Going Clear or Getting Clear Scientology. The documentary. Do you know what Scientology is? Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, it's the religion that's really popular out out in uh, out in L.A. and and just in Hollywood in right, general. Right, right. It's yeah. it's one of the most interesting things. Bill Burr does one of the best bits ever about it, and it's basically I'm not going to give away the bit, but the basic premise of the bit is, yeah, it's it's hard to take that religion serious because it's only like 50 years old. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, created by a uh, science fiction writer who said, you know, yeah, a guy named Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Burr's yeah. joke is awesome because that's, that's why that's how Burr is so good. He can just cut the meat right off and let you know, and you're laughing your ass off. That's the thing that you learn from being a comedian 20 years and versus being a comedian five years. It would take me probably five to eight minutes to make to get that whole joke out, and there might be some funny bumps along the way. But Burr can look right at the premise, trim the fat, and nail you with funny shit for about three minutes and move on, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. He's definitely one of my favorite comics. Um, he, Absolutely. Ev- every special he has, he kills. Um, uh, he's also one of my favorite people. Uh, 
uh, on earth that I've met. So it, you know, it's a, if I look at it, people always go like, hey, how much do you make from comedy? I'm fucking laughing in their face because <laughs> it's like, you know what I made? I made some amazing friends that I didn't know when I didn't do comedy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Mark Maron, Burr, uh, you know, Ian Edwards, uh, even Joe Rogan. I recently been seeing him a lot. Uh, those are people I didn't know five years ago. So as fucking hippie as it sounds, that is like far out, man, at 44 to have new friends in your life without having to work at like, you know, Burger King. <laughs> you know, people work. You know, usually you meet your friends. When you're an older person after high school or college, the only way you even meet friends is either your job or you get married and you meet your wife's family and friends and that's it. Yeah. But I feel like I have about 50 amazing friends from the comedy store, like Ari Shafir, man. I can't imagine not knowing these guys now, like five years ago, I didn't know these fucking guys. And they're some of the most forward thinking, funny, radical people in my life that I've ever met. And I've hung with some musicians all my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think what's cool about, um, just being like, you know, a fan of, of all you guys and, you know, just, just hearing the friendships that you guys have, I feel like what you guys are doing has inspired like a lot of, you know, fans to come together and become friends. Like I know, uh, like Joe Rantan, um, at no Susquehanna on Twitter, like we're we all became f friends because of being fans of you know Red Band and Rogan's podcast, uh, wanting to go to shows together, going go wanting to go to see you guys perform as fans and go and enjoy it together. So I think it's kind of like there's a ripple effect that goes on as a result of you guys becoming friends and you guys enjoying each other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because. There's a couple of days ago was that Howard Stern ranch on Ari Shafir, you know? Yeah. And did you hear it? Yeah, I heard it. Um, Ari, Ari said something. Howard, Howard went on for 20 minutes and probably did, did right. Ari the biggest favor ever by talking about him for 20 minutes. And then a, Ari's, I, I, Ari's response was brilliant. I haven't heard his response yet, but. Uh, you mean he responded after that? Yeah, he made this two minute video. And it just really clowns Howard Stern. And is he, it on YouTube? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you a link once we're done. It's oh, I'll so find funny. It as soon as I hang up. But but the the funny thing about the whole thing is I'm a I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. I'm a huge Ari fan. Uh, but the funniest thing about it is all Howard kept talking about was being famous and rich and and. What I kept thinking was, what he doesn't understand is, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, or I wouldn't have been meeting those people at, at Columbus, Ohio, or Indianapolis, even if it's 20 people or 50 people, those are new friendships with people that are into the same stuff you're into, like music and movies and, and, and you and I, baseball and and motorcycles or whatever. So as corny as it sounds, not everything's about money. No. You know, if it was, 
we would all stay in college and try to just become full blown like scientists and invent <laughs> the next cure to cancer or whatever, you know, yes. we just make money off like pharmaceuticals or something, you know, absolutely or, or whatever. Absolutely. And I, I think something else that like he was missing on is, is just kind of like what we just were talking about. Like the, the friendships that you make are going to help you be in a position to take advantage of different opportunities. I mean, so the, the yeah. money is going to come along. Like, I think it, you know, I just think it's, it's like, um, what I thought was, it's like, you know, Howard is in his position and I feel like, you know, I, I grew up listening to Howard Stern. I was a big fan Thank of Howard you. Stern. I was a big fan of Opie and Anthony and like, but like just nobody's ever going to be Howard Stern and Howard Stern. I think it's just like, it's just like ACDC, Led Zeppelin and Metallica and Van Halen and the Grateful Dead. And there's never going to be that level because there was less shit going on when those guys started their careers, especially Howard. There was 10 people doing radio, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And and everybody listened. It's like everybody watched, you know, Seinfeld back in the day. There was only three TV stations, you know? There's only fucking a couple of things going on in your life. Now, it's like you have this platform to where you don't have to wait for some fucking guy who owns a station to say, you're good enough, I'll put you on. There's no there's no answer to the man, as corny as that sounds. It's do it yourself and uh, and and do it fucking for the love. Yeah. And then if it hits, holy shit, it hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, exactly what you're saying do it yourself build your own audience like like i you know we had kind of talked about this when i first met you like really finding your voice um i remember you saying that like something that you you were you were talking about it was really interesting you were saying like how important it is just to discover your voice and i think you know the internet and and podcasts i mean that's it really helps you do that hell yeah well i'll tell you what podcast does it lets the fans know everything about you. Before, when I went and saw Seinfeld, I knew nothing about that guy. He would go on stage, he'd do an hour, and he'd leave. So if you weren't a Seinfeld fan, sure, you're laughing at the jokes, but there's no inside stuff. To where, when I see you guys, you listen to my podcast, and if I start riffing on something, you know what I'm talking about. It's from an episode or whatever. And you guys are all in on the joke, you know? Yeah. Yeah, or or I can say, man, we can talk about somebody you talked about, and I can refer to a conversation you had, and, and, and then you can kind of expand on it and say, yeah, man, I thought that guy was awesome too, like what we did earlier. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, people have to adapt, and that's the whole thing. I mean, being a, adapting to, like, the way people consume content, everything else like that, I think... It's so key to be in touch, to be in touch with that. And, you know, and I think that's where that was kind of the disconnect to kind of go back to Howard Stern was, was that, you know, he's never really had to do that. Like his, his, what he had was different. What he built was different. And, um, and it's, and and that world was, no one was taking anything away from Howard Stern, you know? Yeah. Uh, I love the guy, but the, the way I look at the career now, my career, 
is I try to approach it exact to Metallica. When they were a new band, they did a demo and Lars fucking printed up 50 cassette tapes and sent them out to fans. And those fans copied those tapes and those fans copied those tapes and those fans copied the tapes. And they sent that cassette tape around the world. And the podcast is basically my demo tape. It's my digital flyer. And and I had guys from South Africa come to the comedy store and meet me. I have guys from Canada. I have guys from Japan, London, you know? Yeah. Those are dudes that if, you know, even if I was on terrestrial radio, like Howard was talking about, a dude in South Africa would not know who the fuck I am, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Because I'm only on the radio in L.A. And I do a lot of radio in L.A. with uh, Jay Moore on uh, Fox. And it's a humongous radio show. And I also do Frazier Smith's show on Sundays on KLOS. Those are huge shows uh, syndicated across the U.S. But still doesn't touch the people my podcast touch because those are people that are into shit I'm into. The other one's just broad, a broad spectrum, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I th- I think I think you know something what you're saying too is 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 a great point too. Like, you know, don't turn away from radio. I mean, radio still serves its purpose, but Absolutely. Don't discredit the other one either. I mean, you know, you can you can have a world audience in one and then you have a national audience in the other and they're different types of people. And I think it's good Look, that I always say my dream is Howard's going to retire one day. Uh, who who are those people going to listen to? I wish Howard would groom somebody like Johnny Carson groomed on the tonight show, you know, yeah. bring a guy in on Fridays. My dream would to be that guy, you know, yeah. then work on Thursdays and Fridays. Then one day he retires and you got your own show with all those people that grew up with Howard or whatever, or the new fans. Uh, I mean, believe me, I want to be on the radio so I can just do stand-up comedy every night and then have fun on the radio on Sirius, like Boneyard or whatever, you know, yeah. during the day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Kind of shifting gears, we were talking about your interest in motorcycles. Um, You, anybody that knows you knows that you and your, like, your riding motorcycles is a huge part of your life. Um, and I, I think it's a huge part of, you know, who you are as a person. What, like, how, yeah. what, how has that kind of influenced you? And where, when did you first start riding? I've been riding my whole life. I think it's 30 years now. Wow. Um, even before that, really, because of dirt, you know, I started in dirt bikes. But, I mean, I grew up uh, around uh, Evil Knievel and Outlaw Motorcycle Clubs. You know, I loved Easy Rider. Everything about me is basically, it's, it's Evil Knievel, it's Outlaw Motorcycle Clubs, it's uh, rock and roll, you know, it's that whole thing, man. I just love dangerous stuff. And, uh, and even Evil's look, man, I, I wear a lot of leather, you know? Yeah. I love leather jackets, and Evil always had the dope-ass leather pants and cape and jacket. <laughs> And later on, the comedians I loved, like Dice and, and Eddie Murphy, they wore leather. And it was just always a thing for me 
of bikers and rock and roll. It's just hand in hand. It's just the same. And, and even Motley Crue with the girls, 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 and then uh, David Lee Roth in the uh, in the Panama video riding the Harley. And, and Hollywood was always a Harley town, you know? Yeah. So it was a thing for me, man. My whole life I've, I've, I've rode and I don't even own a car. So, you know, I ride every day and all those shows, those 2,500 shows I've done on a motorcycle. Last week I rode home from San Francisco. It was, uh, 85 with massive bugs the week before full blown rain hail coming home from San Diego. So it's, Rain, sun, shine, whatever. That's crazy, man. That's uh, I've always, you know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna make it. The only excuse I would make about a motorcycle is I'm afraid I'd kill myself on it, man. Like I'm afraid I'd. You're afraid what? You're killing yourself? Yeah, I'm afraid I'd try to go too fast or something. I, eventually, I'm probably gonna get a motorcycle, but I'm not. It's like I, it, it is. Uh, there's a really good book. Um, what is it? It's uh, uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I know that book, yeah. Yeah, there really is kind of like a spirituality, I think, too, riding a motorcycle that, like, you, it's kind of like just you well, and the me, road. Well, to me, riding a motorcycle is a lot like being on stage. It's almost exact. you got to have great reflexes. Your mind has to be working. You can't drift off, and you have to be in the moment. That's exactly what you need, those skills to be on stage. If you're not in the moment, you're going to eat a dick. <laughs> if somebody says something and you can't turn left real quick, you're going to crash, you know? Absolutely. So it really keeps your motor skills up. Also, to me, the absolute freedom of riding around California on this motorcycle, man, it's just like as cheesy as it sounds. It's really all I really wanted when I was young. Like, well, if I just have a band and a Harley and I can ride around L.A., I'm there. And, and that's what I've been doing my whole life. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I love, too, whenever you send the iPhone, always says sent from my iPhone, and you change it to say <laughs> sent from my motorcycle. I love that yeah. so much. As soon as I sent you that email uh, and you responded sent from my motorcycle, I love that. Um, yeah, that's. That's funny shit. I love when idiots ask me, ask me like, you're not riding, are you, right now? I'm like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> How did, uh, so, so like, we were talking about baseball earlier, not to jump around too much, but I, I really want to kind of highlight, you know, you and, and your likes. Uh, how did you, when did you start getting, a, having your love for baseball, man? Like, when did you fall in love with baseball? You know, it's funny. It's like I played baseball when I was young and I, I always loved, I think it was just really, um, you know, San Francisco and Oakland have some great history on those teams, you know? Yeah. You got Oakland that had that, uh, the mustache game movie a couple of years ago. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, the, uh, I mean the genius of having this, club that makes no money yeah you know spend no money on them and they fucking get to the series and shit i think baseball it's not like i'm a fucking addict on it it was more of something just to kind of like when i was riding around in the van doing gigs all those years i could just turn it on and just kind of drift away from the van ride you know yeah 
And, and it really was that. Like, probably if we had podcasts back then, I probably wouldn't even be a baseball fan. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I would have just listened to podcasts. But when you're riding around in a van, the radio doesn't work except for the AM out in a lot of places. So you just throw a ball game on and drift off into it. And, and there was such great, great eras of the Giants, you know? Uh, of course, when I was growing up, they were the worst in the seventies, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 not like I sit down and watch it every day. I just enjoy following it. Um, I went to Candlestick a couple of days ago. I was in San Fran, and they're getting ready to implode it. So part of it's torn apart. And I went and took pictures and put them on Instagram and. As I sat there by myself, I realized how many great fucking memories come from just a ballpark, even if it's young and your parents take it or later when you and your bros go and just drink beers and get all fucked up in the sun, you know, <laughs> or, uh, or those magic games, man. Like when I saw Bonds hit number 500 or, or shit like that, you know, or you even... never forget the sounds of ballparks. The food, the vibe, the energy. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I tell you what, man, like the Giants, even to this day, they got Bruce Bochy and not to divert our, our conversation, but how how do they win every time they make it in the playoffs, man? Like they, it doesn't matter what their record is. If they're in the playoffs, it's like, man, they're probably gonna win the World Series now. It's so it's crazy how underrated they are. Yeah. Because all people talk about is like Yankees in Boston, and it's like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. Are you looking at this team right here? It's unbelievable. That it, here's how unbelievable it is. Even when they go to the World Series, it's a, a really small numbers of people that watch that, that Royals-Giants series. It was like it was a great series. All numbers watching that thing, you know. But that was a great it, baseball it could be series. The Yankees, a team everyone supposedly hates for paying all their players millions of dollars, it could be Yankees, Boston, and the whole planet would fucking watch. Yeah, it makes no sense to me because Giants are the dominating. I think they're number two for World Series. You know, I can't remember. Well, I mean. I they they've won they've won so many i mean it, 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 the the weird thing too about the giants like especially recently like i remember when they were playing the phillies and the phillies had that powerhouse pitching like they had cliff lee roy halliday and all those dudes were really pitching well and then cody ross who i think only batted like 190 that season hits two home runs against uh roy halliday to to take him to the world series and then they upset texas uh, I mean, and, and then that, that kind of started everything. I mean, it's, you know, like people really do sleep on them. And I think like, you know, they, they upset so many fans too. Cause they like, just, they just like the, the series before the, uh, the year before they won the world series, I watched them beat my team in the world series and they just, yeah. they just blew every team out of the water that they weren't supposed to beat. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I hate them, but I respect them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah man I, I just uh, if you didn't watch that last series you're just an idiot man I mean that was entertainment oh, at man. its finest oh man even if you're not a baseball fan man it's like wow 
Yeah, and they were both underdog teams. Uh, the Royals hadn't lost. I think they'd lost one Royals playoff game never. going into that. Gotcha, you know? Yeah, they'd never they'd never made it in. They make it in the playoffs. They get they make it, they lose one game, and then they, they have the best of seven against the Giants. What a great epic finish, too. Even though, you know, I'm gonna admit admit to you, Dean, I was rooting for the Royals, but uh Madison oh. Bumgarner, <laughs> man, you couldn't stop him, man. You couldn't stop yeah. him. And it, Kershaw Wins the Cy Young, nowhere to be found in the playoffs once again. And, uh, you know, it's it's just interesting the way that team peaks, the way they they make it into the playoffs. But uh, um, anyways, uh, shifting gears a little bit. Uh, so Dean is going to be at the, uh, the underground comedy store, the underground comedy club in Toronto. Um, you can go to highontrees.com and get your tickets. Uh, you're you're gonna have two shows: one on Friday night, one on Saturday night. Everybody needs no, to I go. I can't wait, man. And I'll do two different sets, so you can go both nights if you want. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm getting ready to uh, shoot a special here pretty soon, so I'm gonna be running all kinds of different material. And uh, do you want to share? Do you want to share kind of like what what you're do? Are you still planning on? I remember you had told me before. And I can edit this out, Dean. Um, are you still going to plan on like riding your motorcycle from New York to L.A. during uh, right before that special? Well, we're honing down the idea. So the idea was to ride from New York to San Francisco and shoot the special. Now it's like, why don't we ride all over California since I'm such a California guy and really make it a documentary slash comedy special? Uh, something about my life. So as you're watching the special, you see, you find out who I am as a person instead of just throwing out the special of someone you might not know who it is. So now if you're watching it, you're like, you see this guy? He started comedy at 44 and, uh, you know, he's riding around on a motorcycle doing comedy and, and, and now he's live at the Fillmore. It's now it's, it's more of this, you know, underdog thing of like, look, if you're working a job in your life and there's always something you wanted to do, you're only here one time. As much as you fucking hear that over and over and as cheesy as it sounds, you really are, man. You can start over at any time. And that's exactly what I did. And, and I'm completely, I can't even believe that I'm on stage every night with guys like Burr and Marin and Rogan and, and Ari and, you know, it's yeah. just unbelievable. And if I would have never just took a chance, I would still just be some dick at a job at Harley right now. You know, I worked at Harley and people were just, it was just like, I could see people weren't happy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was that's... like, oh, I don't want to end up not happy. I got to, I got to. It's a weird dynamic when you've been on stage all your life and then you're off stage for a couple of years. You're like, this is weird. The transition is, is bizarre. Yeah, it probably doesn't even feel like you're living anymore, right? What's that? It probably didn't feel like you were living anymore at, to a certain it extent. Just felt like, it just felt like when you... It, it's, it was almost like if you suck in uh, nitrous... It was yeah. like I was sucking in nitrous my whole life, and then there was no more nitrous, and I was on the <laughs> side of the road going like, wow, this shit is pretty slow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, life is different. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something else that's really cool that I should have brought up when we were talking about Howard Stern and, and taking advantage and adapting something that I think super cool that you, that you've done. Um, you know, if people want to follow you, they don't even have to go to your website. If they have an Android phone, they can just download the Dean Del Rey app. Um, yeah, man. Now yeah, my buddy, my buddy put that together. Uh, we, I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He's been lagging on the iTunes one. Yeah, but, you know, it's a cool app, man. It's on uh, Android at the uh, Play Store, and it's free. And uh, you can listen to all my podcasts. You can follow my dates. You can see uh, photos, whatever, clips. It's so cool. That's so cool. And also, if people want to follow you more, they can go to uh, deandelray.com. Uh, obviously, follow you on Twitter. Um, it's just uh, just at Dean Del Instagram. Ray. Instagram. Uh, I've been having fun with Instagram lately because I take pictures everywhere I'm riding. Yeah, I've been messing up. I haven't really taken advantage of Instagram yet, and I and I I've been trying. You know, I I've been going to some cool places, and uh, my buddy was just pointed out to me like, man, you really got to get on Instagram and and share what yeah, all you look at. Yeah, photos are fun, man. They're fun. I, I I my house is covered in photos. Photos are snapshots in history of like, oh, remember that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So everybody, we hope to see you at the shows, both shows this Friday and Saturday. Um, go again, you can go to highontrees.com, get your tickets. All If you want to know more about the underground, um, you can check out Puff Mama's website, puffmama.ca. Um, follow us all on Twitter. Um, follow at underground comedy. Uh, there's no A or there's no U. Apparently, I don't know how to spell ground, Dean. Uh, I think we should let women in free, man. Yeah. It's been a sword fest out here. I feel like I'm the heavy metal of, of comedy. <laughs> man, it's like, I feel like I'm Metallica and the crowd's just a big mosh pit. Where's the women, man? <laughs> it's hilarious. I want to do a tour where the women get in free. <laughs> That's a good idea. We should... uh yeah, yeah, man, because guys will come because they already love the topics. It's motorcycles and fucking, you know, rock and roll and 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 radicalness. But, uh, you know, if women came free, they they would uh, they would have fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put in a good word, Dean. <laughs> there you go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, um, follow us all on Twitter. Uh, follow Dean Del Rey on Twitter. Um, go to uh, deandelray.com. One thing you can do, definitely go find uh, however you listen to podcasts, whether it be Stitcher, iTunes. Um, go look for Let There Be Talk. One thing, especially on iTunes, give it some reviews. So it's a great podcast. Give it a rating. And give it a review that helps out so much do the same thing on stitcher or whatever whatever media format you listen to podcasts or you enjoy the podcast you listen to um is there anything else you want to add up add add dean before uh before we uh end the show no man just come out I, i'm i really want to just see people in the room man there's nothing better than fucking doing comedy in front of a ton of strangers I got a bunch of free stickers I'm bringing. I'll give everyone some Dell Razor stickers and uh, let's have fun, man. That's We're it. only here once. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That sounds great. Well, guys, again, go to highontrees.com. Buy your tickets now. Buy it for both nights. Looking forward to see you guys at both nights. And uh, thanks again for listening to the show. Yeah.